0: Hey what's up guys it's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday
1: podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire
0: Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952.
2: Kick the tires and light the fires, big
1: daddy. The matchups. The superstars the games
0: starting defense place at the table
1: this is football sunday on the fan a comprehensive look at today's national football league action with your hosts mike lynch and rashad taylor you all know what you have to do remember no one and i mean no one comes into our house and pushes us around this is football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan Well, we are here. (laughs) My morning's been smooth sailing. I don't know what's going on with you two guys, but uh, Rashad's got his hands over his face. Mm. Jesse just found out that our playlist was all messed up. And uh, uh, we're off and rolling on a
0: football Sunday, baby. At least there's football in about an hour.
1: Oh, yeah. In 56 minutes and 10 seconds. We will have red zone on the on the TV here and well, football. Most of starting. us will at least. Well, I'm sorry, Rashad, that your red zone's not working, but at least you still have Sunday ticket.
0: Yeah, but it's irritating. Why won't that work? That's stupid. I don't know.
1: Did you call Direct TV? They're not open on Sundays. It's, it's silly. Did, I know. Did right? you call them the day after that you had this issue? Didn't have time. Uh huh. I
0: don't watch Direct TV. I don't watch you know. Yeah, you just you Sunday just don't on Monday.
1: You don't want to deal with the customer service people. Not really. Not <laughs> really.
0: And I, you know, you, I'm,
1: you have made your decision that not dealing with customer service more important than having red zone yeah i'm really really not
0: tripping i have like the uh little mix so it's almost like a uh a sports book and so i've got all the games on one tv isn't that kind of cool uh, so
1: i don't have direct tv i've never had that before i've never had sunny ticket before but isn't the mix almost like too small because you're on your size tv so it's like too much to actually pay attention to Well,
0: that's why it helps to have a I mean i don't have a large tv but it's big enough to where you can see everything but the cool part is you can just kind of scroll through and listen to every game if you want to so if you and if you want to just choose that game you can just go ahead and click on that one so that's kind of a cool thing like so you can go ahead and listen to what's happening on each one and yeah so it's actually kind of cool and they do that for a lot of different uh directly there's like a music one and a uh there's another sports one that has a bunch of different sports with football and there's golf and some some hockey and stuff like That's that. That's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. That's kind
1: of cool, I guess. I, I yeah, I've never had direct TV before. The only story I have with Direct TV is when the Yankees created the Yes Network, which is their own personal channel. It was sometime in the in the mid-thousands, I think. And the main cable company out where I grew up in North Jersey is Cablevision. And they did not get the Yes Network. So my family, being big Yankee fans, we went, well, we have to get DirecTV. The DirecTV people came out. We had too many trees around our house, and they could not put a satellite dish up. And uh, for a year, we didn't get to watch the Yankees, which was really, really depressing. And then Cablevision got it, and it was fine.
0: But that's my only experience with DirecTV. I almost had DirecTV. The the one cool thing about DirecTV that I will say is, um, let's say you watch a, a show that typically starts at like 10 at night. You know, there's a lot of good shows that... Don't start till a little bit later in the evening. Okay. Um, I can watch it at seven, so I don't have oh, to wait Because the East until, Coast yeah, time, yeah, I, I have an East Coast option. So, uh, a lot of shows, on, like, you know, MTV, VH1, uh, HBO, and whatnot, like I can see at seven o'clock or five o'clock. So I don't actually have to wait until. You know, my son watches Monday Night Raw wrestling comes on at eight o'clock. It's supposed to at least. Okay. Um, his bedtime is nine now that he's in second grade, but um, he can watch it at five and be completely done with it by eight and still have some time to do stuff. So that's the kind of the the one cool thing I will say about having direct TV. That's pretty cool. I
1: like that as well. Um, So look, we don't want to go too crazy into uh, just BSing off the top, like we do normally, because we have to talk about the Oregon ducks football game. So we're going to get to that here in a second. Coming up on the show today, for those who are who are listening for the first time or need a, a friendly reminder, hi, this is Football Sunday. I'm Mike, that's Rashad, Jesse's behind the glass. We're all surviving so far uh, the, the crazy morning that we've had since we got in here. But we will have at 9.30 our fantasy scramble. We have it every single week at that time. If you have start, say, questions in week three of your fantasy football matchup, text them in now to the Better You Today text line at 55305. Uh, we'll get to as many of the ones that we can on the text line. We'll, we're, I'm also going to put a tweet out on Twitter. You can send us tweets at Mike Lynch, 27 at taylormade 503 and Jesse's at Jesse Osman A S Z M A N. Don't forget, Jesse has a fantasy podcast as well that he started a couple weeks ago, which you can find uh, on uh, iTunes, I believe. And
2: uh, yeah, and we're doing it on our website. On 10, thefancom
1: well. yeah. as well. So you can listen for any fantasy advice you want from Jesse and uh, Kev there. Uh, so that's coming up at nine 30. Remember text, Better you today, text line 55305. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. I want to talk about Baker Mania as yeah, the know. Browns finally win a game, and it's all because of their number one draft pick, and today he was named the starter. That's coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. We've got West Coast Bias at 1015, Hater it at 1030, so a loaded show to come, uh, and you can text all your thoughts, not just the fantasy questions. You can text all your thoughts to the Better, t- better you today, text line at 55305. But we must, we must start with the Oregon Ducks primetime abc college game day experience and it goes to overtime and 7th ranked stanford beats 20th ranked oregon 38 to 31 in a game that did not match what anybody expected everybody thought in typical oregon stanford fashion at least from what we've seen recently low scoring good defense 21 to 20 just a you know a close game right and i think a lot of people thought stanford would win the game but not in the way that they did Oregon up 24 to 7 mm. and the the entire game swung on a series of three plays. You had the touchdown that was called back by Jalen Red where his foot hit the pylon. They called it a touchdown on the field. They Uh, reviewed it, said it wasn't a touchdown. Then they go first and goal at the one. There was the bad snap. And Justin Herbert was able to get back on it. Or maybe that was the bad handoff. I can't remember the exact. That was the bad handoff. That was the bad handoff.
0: Um,
1: Justin Herbert was able to get it. great recovery from him. Kind of one arm scooped it under three guys and got it. And then the bat snap over his head led to a scoop and score by a Portland zone, Joey Alfieri. And that swung the game from a 31 to seven Oregon lead to a 24, 14 Oregon lead. Oregon went three and out the next drive. Stanford scored immediately. It was 24, 21 and it was in a completely different game. And I just have to ask the question. Did anybody else out there not know the rule about the pylon? Because I swore that if you touch the pylon in any way, shape, or form, it was a touchdown. When has it never not been a touchdown? That's what I thought.
0: In in, in NFL, high school, college, when has that ever not been a touchdown? Like, I've never seen that play called or ruled out of bounds. Never in all the years I've been watching football. Every single time we've seen guys dive towards it with the ball and just barely nick it, and they've called it a touchdown. So I'm super confused on why all of a sudden, no, mind you, Lots of rule changes and everything. Maybe this is one we just didn't pay attention to. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but if you ask me, Oregon got job because they should have been up seven points or at least six points in, in that in that situation. I'm really really confused about that. To me, that's that that was that lost the game for him. Just one of those
2: moments where a referee had way more impact in a game than than they're probably supposed to. Um, one of those those moments where, I mean, the only thing that, that changed was what they thought in the booth as far as what the referees thought on the ground is what the rule was. And so that's, that. It, it it's just, it's a weird precedent to set. It's something that the Pac-12 shouldn't want set. Like, there's so much scrutiny on the Pac-12. That's on the national scene. It's just, it seems every time that, the ducks, in general, seem to be in one of these big games on the national scene. Something crazy like this happens. It, it, I it's more painful today than it was last night. That's
0: for sure. Does it does it not even matter that he broke the plane? Well, so like here this? here's the
1: thing, right? This the they brought their their official guy on the analyst that they had on ready to go, and I, I just didn't know the rule because I swore that the pylon was in bounds, but apparently the pylon is out of bounds, and if you touch it with the ball you're good, but touching it with your foot marks you out of bounds to where the ball was. So when he touched the the pylon with his foot, the ball was at like the one-yard line because uh, he, he didn't reach in. He tried to kick it because I guess he thought it was probably in bounds as well because he was falling out of bounds as he was running down the left sideline. Um, and then they also had the weird play on the next drive, which was kind of ironic, that Bryce Love ran in for the touchdown and they had to do the same kind of review because he... Stepped over the pylon, didn't touch it, didn't touch anywhere in the end zone and stepped out of bounds, which, again, I thought was a touchdown because we've seen that a million times. But the guy comes on and says, well, technically, if he doesn't touch inside the end zone, then that's uh, that's out of bounds and wherever the ball last was. And then they had to see if the ball crossed over where the I was so confused last night. It was a very confusing game. But all I wanted to say based off that, right, I didn't know that rule and it was a huge swing in Stanford's favor at that point in the game, right? A 14-point swing in like three minutes. Maybe it was like a 21-point swing because they scored twice in three minutes, Stanford did. And everyone is blaming that play, and a lot of people are blaming the refs. And don't forget that Oregon had a chance to milk the clock and win the game, and they fumbled the football. And they had multiple mistakes, a ton of penalties late in that game. And there is a lot for the Oregon Ducks to clean up not necessarily oh what was me the officials yeah okay maybe there was a couple of questionable calls or calls that were that went against oregon oregon had to be able to finish that game with how big of a lead they had and they didn't they didn't and you can question mario Cristobal's play calling and we'll have some audio he has uh he talked about his late game strategy we'll talk about that next but cj verdell has to hold on to that football yeah.
0: he does it's just that simple that was the play that you know you make that play you ice the game well, know, he just game. needed and I to think go, go down. Know. Yeah, and just go down. He was, he fu- he was fighting for yards. the first down. You don't need the first down. Yeah. Just and, go down. And that was one of those cases of uh, a young guy really trying to be the hero. And you can't fault him because you know, for the most of the game, um, you know, this was he, he he was he was doing what he was supposed to do. You no. know, twenty carries, one hundred fifteen yards. He had the one, uh, the big one for a little over what forty five, forty seven. Yeah. Oh no, like that, 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 that was a forty eight you know. yard touchdown run. Yeah. So you know, he 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 did everything he was supposed to do up until the big mistake and the the mistake really it it cost them the game you know there are very few things that you can say like man that that's what called it wasn't the fumble it was that mistake because if they get to the you know not even to the marker but if they he just gets down like you said Lynch, just the game is over the game is over and so that's a young guy not really knowing what he was supposed to do can, right. I, can I just
2: do one yeah, thing go for real quick? it all right the What this is, it's not on that's not on Dylan to me or um, that that to me is on the coaching staff, because when you're putting a young man in that situation, they need to take him aside in that final drive and say, this is more important that you go down, don't fight for the yards and that we run this clock out and take care of the ball. That's on the coach to make sure that they understand what that situation is. It's not about trying to get that first down at that point.
1: We got a break. We're we're out of time for this segment. Coming up next, I have audio from Mario Cristobal about his late game strategy. A lot of people telling him just kneel the ball and punt the ball with 13 seconds to go. He talks about why he decided not to do that. I don't hate the play call for the the run uh, for the record. I don't hate that at all. But we'll get to that next. Keep your text coming in on the better you today. Text line at 55305. I want to take a look at those next segment as well. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 919 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you till 11 o'clock. We are talking Oregon's loss in overtime to Stanford last night, 38 to 31. Uh, a lot of the texts in the better you today text on at 55305 are saying, ba- they're basically saying, well, guys, they got the call right. I know they did. I know by the letter of the law, they got the call right. I just think it surprised a lot of people that that was actually the rule. And someone texted in and said they looked online. The NFL doesn't have that rule. That's a college only rule. Which is probably also why everyone was so confused, because we're so used to seeing guys reach for the pylon and get it called a touchdown that when we see them hit the pylon, ball or foot or whatever, we were surprised. Yeah, that's
0: I was all. just super surprised that after he broke the plane, it was still, you know, because he was had broken before he actually went out of bounds. If that's what we're saying. But if they're saying that you know the pylon is indeed out of bounds, then. It makes sense. Okay, cool. They
2: they
1: followed the rule correctly.
2: It's just it's convoluted the way th- this is why people get frustrated with football and why they say it's so confusing. Where it's like, well, if you touch it with the ball, it's okay. You touch it with your body, it's not. No, that's that. What that that makes no sense. That's convoluted. But it, it, in defense of the rule, in the end, or in, in football, it's always
1: been the ball's location when you're out out or down. Right. So if your knee goes down and the ball hasn't crossed the goal line even though the ball crosses a half a second later you're still down at the one. Yes,
2: but at this point it's it's more to me about the touching thing. You touch it with the ball, cool. You touch it with your body, it's out of bounds. If you touch the ball, out of bounds, I, I'm pretty pretty sure you're out. Like I don't know, I mean that never happens because the the last part of the ball you or, you know is to touch anything is typically the ball, but Yeah. It's it's a really convoluted weird way to put it that a ball's okay, the body's not. Um, I understand the ball breaking the plane because that's the most important thing.
1: but let but let's be but let's be fair. the reps did get the call right by the letter of the law.
2: Yes, it, it made
1: it made Oregon fans upset. It was confusing, but they got the call right. I think the big thing here for me is it's not although that was a huge swing, it is not that play. Oregon was on the one yard line. They should have been able to score a touchdown yet they didn't mm-hmm. because of the miss, messed up snap and then the the snap over the head. but it came down the ducks still won the game. Should have won the game when C.J. Reddell fumbled the ball, and now everyone's saying, kind of like we did with Jonathan Smith last week, why did you do what you did at the end of the game and just kick the field goal instead of trying to give the the guy more space? Yeah. Now we're saying, well, why didn't you just kneel the ball,
0: yeah, well, we also- and and
1: and punt the ball at thirteen seconds? So here's what Cristobal had to say to that question: We're trying to get one more first down with second and two. You know, it's play that we feel good about. Two tights over that side, two hands on the ball. It's a uh, first down. The game's over if. Uh, you could kneel it. Uh, you're going to have to punt the ball. If you don't get a first down, they're going to use another timeout. You're going to get it back. I don't know what uh, the charts said at the time. But you have to punt the ball, and you have to execute a punt as well, which uh, you know, we feel confident in our guys. I mean, be aggressive. Uh, that's why we threw the ball on first down, and that's why we uh, you know went after certain situations like we did. We They still have some time. We'd have to punt the ball at some point in time. Less than 10 seconds left? No, I, probably 12, 15 seconds. I'm not sure what it was I'll check the chart for you I'll give you the exact data you know we got nothing to hide so but we felt we were pretty good about the run game i we'll you need one more to get uh first down and close out the game we've been pretty good with that so look I I understand why everyone's out there saying they should have knelt the ball and punted it back with 15 seconds but with, with the way the running game was playing throughout the day I don't fault Cristobal for or Arroyo for that matter for trusting Verdell or whoever they decided to give the ball to Brooks James left with the injury. Uh, to get a couple of yards, try to get a first down, and then ice the game right there instead of giving Stanford one last chance. Especially because Oregon's defense had no counter for Stanford's wide outs and tight ends in the second half. They caught everything. They were bigger, they were more physical, they got in better positions, they caught everything. And yeah, 15 seconds, you punt the ball, whatever. But it's, it's giving them a chance. Whereas when you're running the ball... You, you have you are trying to ice the game away. So I didn't hate that play, even though it turned out against Oregon with Verdell fumbling the whenever football. Whenever
0: you lose a game, whenever there's a you know a, a big mistake like that, a fumble interception, you're always going second guessing. For instance, the Seattle Seahawks, man, for a long time were used was using that cross pattern or that that slant uh, pattern at, at the goal line to get a lot of touchdowns. You know, so that had happened most of the year all of a sudden it happened in the Super Bowl, and it doesn't work and it's a terrible play call. But if it works, it's genius. That's just kind of the way it goes. So if that young man actually gets that first down or even close to a first down and goes and, you know, just gets tackled and doesn't fumble, then all of a sudden Ball looks like the genius who, you know, beat Stanford in week four. That's, that's how that looks all of a sudden. So, I mean, I don't, I'm like, I'm with you. I don't hate the play call. Uh, you think about the punt and okay, that might've been a great idea, but, uh, I'm more concerned with not concerned because I think they played well for part of the game. and There's nothing you can do about against Stanford, but uh, the defense just let them drive down the field to to put them in field goal range, uh, right around that that 40 yard line. It was it was
1: right. Even with the fumble, they had the ball at the what 10 15 yard line. And they line drove or it
0: all the way downfield, and it looked really easy. And there was a whole lot of space for them to do because that because they My-
1: couldn't stop the. Big rec- all the Stanford and guys were big.
0: They were just they were just bigger than than Oregon's offense and they're big in the Oregon's defense. And there was nothing you can do about it. So uh this was a this these were some guys that were really just showing their mettle and showing them they were just m- much bigger and a little more physical, especially towards the end of the game. Just kind of pushed Oregon around.
1: Absolutely. Uh I did want to throw this. We gotta go to break soon and we gotta get to fantasy scramble here, but I want to throw this out there. All I've been seeing in the Heisman conversation for the first couple weeks of the season is Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Alabama's quarterback. Kyler Murray, Texas A&M's, or Oklahoma's quarterback, excuse me. And Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State's quarterback. That's all I've been seeing, right? Everyone talks about those three. Those are the three front runners. And then you can add Ed Oliver, the Houston defensive tackle, who's just an absolute beast. But last night was Justin Herbert's coming out party for the national viewing audience. Despite the loss, Justin Herbert played a near perfect game. And that might have been the best game he's ever played in an Oregon duck uniform. Every single one of his throws was pinpoint accurate, except for one that I remember late in the game where he threw behind a receiver. He was absolutely incredible. Even in overtime when, uh, when they threw all those passes in the, in the red zone and didn't score the touchdown, Justin Herbert's throws were Perfect. The Stanford defender just did an amazing job getting his hand on it, especially on that fourth down play, or I think it was the third down play, the one that was going to Mitchell. It was a perfect spot. And I forget who it was on Stanford, but he reached his hand over and just barely tipped it away in the back of the end zone. I was
0: going to mention that pass. That was the pass that, now, even though it was dropped or even though it was knocked away, that was like, it was perfect. That was a perfect, it doesn't get any better than that. Like that defender's not there. (laughs) That, that, that's a, that's a pass that they're going to show on a highlight reel for him for his, the rest of his college career. So well, look, he, he this, couldn't miss yesterday.
1: This game was a highlight reel for him. And I hope that it puts Justin Herbert right back into where he belongs in the Heisman conversation because he does belong in it, of course. And it, I was salivating over him in the NFL watching that game. Now, I know that there's going to be the critiques, like there always has been with Oregon quarterbacks. Well, he's throwing to a lot of wide open receivers. Look at how open Dylan Mitchell was the entire game. True, there were a lot of open passes for him. But how many tough throws did he make as well? How about the one down the right sideline where he threw it back shoulder where it was probably Mitchell again, to be honest with you. I can't, I think it was Mitchell. He makes the great catch back shoulder, gets one foot in bounds and is out. He can't throw it more perfect than that. Uh, He threw one into the back corner of the end zone that was tipped away, but was literally only catchable by the Oregon receiver. And Stanford was able to defend it away. It was, it was like watching a perfect painting being made right in front of you. Yeah, that's, that's how final, I felt watching Herbert. That game. final
0: drive of the fourth quarter when he made a pass, I think it was to Dylan Mitchell on the sideline, that was like, oh, my gosh, great play right there. So Justin Herbert definitely should be in the Heisman conversation. I mean, he's not hes not electric. You know what I mean? He's hes not a guy. He's not Mariota. He doesn't pop off the screen to you. But if you've seen him play for the last couple of years, and you know that Herbert is a difference maker. When he's not there, this is not the same team. And when he is there, they are – competing for a possibly a Rose Bowl. So he's 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 a special kid, and I think Ducks fans are really going to miss him when he's gone. So they can have the Heisman conversation. I think we all know who's going to be in the conversation for the number one overall pick if he does indeed decide to leave this year.
1: That's true. There is, there is questions about whether or not he'll leave, but if he does, he'll be at least a top three pick for sure. I just wanted to give him a little love because he played absolutely phenomenal football last night despite the loss, and the loss is not on him. Justin Herbert played. He didn't make any mistakes. He was great. He was absolutely great. All right, we got a break. Coming up next, it is our fantasy scramble. So if you have start, sit questions in fantasy, text them in now to the Better You Today text line at 55305. We'll get to as many as we can over the next half hour as the games are getting underway in 32 minutes. And uh, also you can tweet them at us at Lynch 27 at TaylorMade503, and Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A -A S We'll get to as many as we can next. This is Football Sunday, but here is Jesse with SportsCenter. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This
0: guy. A kicker.
1: I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute
0: injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan.
1: Oh, yes, that open and that music means it is time for the fantasy scramble. We do it every single week at 930 here on Football Sunday. Mike Rashad, Jesse here helping you with all your start stick questions as the games are getting underway here in a little under a half hour. We're going to do our best to get through as many as we can starting here and uh, until we get to 10 o'clock, and we'll try to help as much as we can uh, in you guys winning. Your week three fantasy football matchup. First question that came in, this guy was in early. He came in at like 8, 19 a.m. before the show even started. I saw it, though, dedication. he's, he's listening. Non-PPR wide receiver two. Demarius Thomas against Baltimore. Cooper Cup against the... the I almost said the Clippers. Because <laughs> it says LAC. Against the Chargers. Or Pierre Garçon against Kansas City. That's an interesting one to me. Demarius Thomas has not been as uh as explosive early as emmanuel sanders has been Dropsies. he uh <laughs> he only had four catches or five catches for 18 yards last week which is pretty pretty depressing also baltimore's defense although they didn't show it last week is pretty good i love cooper cup on a regular basis he's just consistent he always gets five or six catches he gets the red zone targets i like that a lot uh pierre garcon he says he was leaning garcon and it, are we crazy against kansas city's defense yeah, I think you're kind of crazy with that. I'm going to go Cooper Cup. That's my pick out of that one. Even um, though it's not PPR, he's still a red zone threat.
0: I'm also going to go Cooper Cup. He has the luxury of having two really good receivers around him and Robert Woods and um, uh, Brandon Cooks. So that means he he gets op- he finds himself open uh, a whole lot because you got to find yourself trying to cover those guys. So Cooper Cup.
2: Cooper Cup, uh, you know, Demarius Thomas, obviously more of a PPR guy. Um, you know, uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, doesn't necessarily have a super high ceiling, but he's got a really safe floor. And uh, as far as red zone targets, he is basically the tight end. He's the guy that gets two-thirds of the red zone looks through the air right now. Um, Granted, you have Todd Gurley stealing a lot of the the touchdowns on the ground, but I definitely would like Cooper Cup over any of these other guys.
1: Pick three of four, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, Tevin Coleman. First of Mm. all, you're lucky.
0: Wow, like who are you in the league with? Well,
1: I mean, remember, Tevin Coleman's a backup, so he got – that's not – that's great now Tevin because Coleman, Freeman but together, is great. Right,
0: well, I mean, well, and also Robert, you know, Erd, and Um, Bell. And Connors, okay.
1: um I'm yeah. picking Hunt, Gordon, and Coleman in this one. Uh, I know people are nervous about Kareem Hunt because of a slower start for him. I I do not panic on guys who are as good as Kareem Hunt is this early. And uh, so I'm going to pick him and Gordon, who are your two elite options, and then I'm going to pick Coleman against the New Orleans defense, which likes to give up yards. Uh, um, I, Connor could have a great game, but I just think he's the worst of the four.
0: I'm with you, uh, and me, for Connor, different reasons, man. For whatever reason, I think uh, the Steelers are having some issues right now, so I'm going to go Hunt, Gordon, Coleman. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: the the only one I would think of is is Coleman over I, – I mean, uh, Connor over Coleman, but um, – th- Honestly, I think I think basically you're flipping a coin. I think that there's more of a track record with Coleman, which is why it feels safer deploying him. Um, I think the only thing you think about the Steelers, despite all the drama, is they have been moving the ball consistently so far this season, and it is nice to tap into that somehow. The um, uh, safer safer bet is with Coleman in that situation, though.
1: Uh, non PPR league, Chris Hogan. Or Deshaun Jackson. Right now, I'm riding the hot hand, baby. I'm going Deshaun Jackson on this one. People have been asking me all week, should I keep starting Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yes, ride the hot hand. Just you got to do it. He's been absolutely unstoppable. You have to ride the hot hand. Deshaun Jackson's been one of the main beneficiaries of that. He's not getting a bunch of catches, so that's not going to hurt you since you're a non-PPR, but he's got over 100 yards receiving both games. He's got touchdowns in both games. Chris Hogan had one good game, one awful game. I'm going uh, Deshaun Jackson. (sighs)
0: Uh, man Sean Jackson has really these spurts at the beginning of the season he's not really a whole lot for you as you get to the middle and towards the, the tail end of the season but during the beginning of the year there's something special about Sean Jackson so I'm going to go to Sean Jackson uh, right now the
2: what I look at is opportunity between these guys and currently the opportunity has been about the same as far as targets one you have as an explosive receiver, the other one more of a possession receiver. I Give me the explosion high ceiling guy right now that's off to a hot start. Um, normally not a Djax guy, but in this situation, um, I agree. You just kind of roll the hot hand until things change.
1: Half point PPR at the flex, Devin Funchess or Rex Burkhead? Let me make this clear. I hate Devin Funchess.
0: I hate him. Jesus.
1: I think he is in fantasy. Okay. I hate him Jesus. in fantasy. I, I really do. People have been high on him for years. He's never panned out. I don't think he's that good. I just don't think he's that good. And I don't think Cam Newton looks for him frequently enough to to warrant being having him on your fantasy team. The only, the only thing I'll say, though, is Rex Burkhead is part of the nine-headed monster that is the Patriots' backfield. And as much as I liked him last week, that was a terrible play on my part. And uh, whoever asked about him, hopefully you didn't listen to my advice and you listened to Jesse and Rashad's instead. But uh, Sonny Michelle is healthy, and I was reading that he took basically all the snaps away from Rex Burkhead. And they've also got James White, and they've also got a bunch of other guys. So I'm going to say Devin Funches because it's a half-point PPR, and I, I just don't know with Burkhead right now. I don't, I don't know what to do with the New England backfield.
0: Well – I think this is one of those situations to where it's, it really is a toss up, like, because you don't know if lunch is going to get a lot of targets. And if he does what's what he's going to do with them, uh, Burkhead, you don't know if he's going to stay healthy enough to be able to get you anything or how many snaps he's actually going to get. But Burkhead actually does uh, run the ball actually pretty effectively when he does get in the game. Uh, he does a great job of catching the ball out of the backfield as well, you know, kind of like James white. So I think I'd go with Burkhead.
2: I, I'm avoiding Burkhead in this situation. Um, I I agree basically with everything that Mike said there, except for the fact that I don't think Devin Funchess is absolute trash. Um, <laughs> That's just me. Uh, I, I, Devin Funchess is a usable wide receiver three slash flex guy. It, half point PPR, full point PPR. He's definitely more valuable than he is in a standard league. Um, one thing that you'll you'll find though when you look at Basically, since they got rid of um Kelvin Benjamin, and there's been multiple occasions now where Greg Olson's been hurt in conjunction with that time frame, is that Devin Funches is a significantly better fantasy asset when there is no Kelvin Benjamin in this scenario, when there is no Greg Olson in this scenario, because once again, we're kind of going with the Cooper Cup thing where. When it comes down to the the red zone, is this is the guy that he will uh, Cam will look for in the red zone, or he'll just run it himself, or he'll just run it. But it, I mean, if they're gonna pass it in the red zone, this is the guy he's gonna look for. He's like six foot five. He is a former tight end out of Michigan, so he has the size. Um, it, he has a little bit of speed combination. He's a unique physical specimen that works well with Cam's game, and he is gonna get. I think it, he'll get about nine targets. That's about where they've settled in with with uh, Funchess with. Olson out so I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get out nine targets he's been catching around six to seven of those so I'm looking at six seven 60 yards 70 yards up upside of maybe a touchdown
1: uh, I have the Rams D so do I play Jimmy Garoppolo or stick with Rivers who is playing that Rams defense I say stick with Rivers and uh, I'm not a fan of necessarily playing a, a guy against your own defense but I think when you have a guy like Rivers who just throws touchdowns for fun and gets a lot of fantasy points on a week-by-week basis. Even if he has a pick, which will help you, you'll still get a ton of points from him. Garoppolo is going up against Kansas City's defense, who has been a a bit porous so far in the passing game, and Garoppolo, but but Garoppolo also hasn't lit the world on fire either. And uh, for me, that means I'm going to stick with Rivers.
0: Uh, Yeah, man, I'm going Phillip Rivers. I'm taking the veteran in this situation. Uh, Jimmy G, like you said, through uh, two weeks hasn't been great so far. And... um, You know, that that five-game winning streak that he had to end last season hasn't really carried over just yet. So he'll be good at some point. But for right now, like you said, Phillip Rivers uh, has something to prove. So I'm going to go Rivers.
2: All right. Well, Contrarian has come out here. Um, I will not start Phillip Rivers against this defense. I basically will not start any quarterback against this defense this year. This is the respect that you give defenses like the Legion of Boom, uh, the no-fly zone um, in years past where this defense is so good, it's so loaded, and you have a defensive coordinator that understands how to use all of these weapons at his disposal. Um, when you look back, um, going back to last year, when it wasn't even as stacked as it is this year, uh, I believe last year there was only about two um, quarterbacks that scored over 20 points and six-point uh, touchdown league so you're looking at a, a at a team even last year uh with a few less pieces that was shutting down um opponents quarterbacks at the same time I'm sorry when Philip Rivers starts getting beaten and battered when Philip Rivers um has to play from behind he throws interceptions so I I'm going to go Jimmy G not to mention you're going to see I this Kansas City offense move and uh, Jimmy G hasn't had the opportunity, and that's going to happen this week.
1: Quickly, we got to break. Uh, Breeze or Wentz? I'm going
2: to go. I'm going to go Drew Breeze in this one.
0: Mm. Breeze. Wentz is going to take a minute.
2: Uh, yeah, I need to see Wentz. So, so we'll go Breeze as well. All right. So, I got more to come
1: after the break. This is uh, Fantasy Scramble in Football Sunday. Uh, text them in. Better you today. Text line five five three zero five. This is the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan, smack dab in the middle of the fantasy scramble on Football Sunday, and we're going to go a little faster pace here as we want to get to all the questions that we've got before the games begin. If we don't get to it, apologies. We're 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 trying to get through them all. This one's really tough. It's a tight end question. He's got three: George Kittle, Evan Ingram, and Will Disley. Who does he start? He goes, got to start Disley, right? I don't know if that's right. Uh, Yeah, ride the hot hand. He's got touchdown in each of the last two games, but he also only has three catches each of the last two games, and Seattle's offense looks horrendous so far. Giants offense also looks horrendous so far, but Evan Ingram caught seven balls last week, and uh, George Kittle did not have a good week last week, despite having a good week one. I think this is really, really, really tough. I think I'm going to go Ingram, but I would not be mad if you're chasing touchdowns with Will Disley. Or maybe even he gets a bigger role in the offense because he's proven to be one of the only guys who can catch passes consistently there. Uh, I I don't know. I, I kind of say pick whoever you feel the best about because they're all about the same, in my opinion. <laughs> but I'll say Ingram, I guess.
0: Uh, I'll say Ingram as well because I have to start him, too, today. So um, <laughs> That's an
2: interesting reason to, to go with Ingram. Um Honestly, this is kind of – I agree with Mike. These guys are kind of all in the same tier. You're kind of – to me, I'm going to look at opportunity. I'm going to look at matchup. I think right now the best opportunity slash matchup is probably going to be with um, with Kittle. Um, at Disley, I think you're chasing touchdowns more than anything. Um, I think both Ingram and Kittle have more opportunity as far as uh, targets – so I'm I'm probably going to just go with uh, Kittle based on opportunity, and I like his matchup this week. Full
1: point PPR Marquise Goodwin, TJ Yeldon. I'm going with Marquise Goodwin on this one. Yeldon, I didn't I didn't know how he played last week. I just checked as I was reading the question. He did not catch many passes. That was Grant. Week. It was Corey Grant who got them. So he's not going to help you in PPR, and in that for for that reason, mostly, but also because I think Marquise Goodwin has a good matchup this week, uh, I'm going to go with Goodwin. I love Goodwin.
2: In, in PPR, I like Goodwin as well. Um, Yeldon also dealing with that angle injury. So you just don't know if he's even going to finish the game.
1: Uh, OJ Howard or Austin Safarian Jenkins. Man, these tight end questions are hard this year. I was looking at tight ends because I had Jack Doyle in a league and I had to bench him this week because he was hurt. There's nobody. It is, a, it is a dearth of nothing in the free agency landscape. And my backup is Safarian Jenkins. And I was like, I guess he's probably the best of of all the guys that are currently available on, on the backup area. Um, I think Severian Jenkins could be a good play just because he caught a touchdown last week, but he's only caught a couple of balls each week. Same goes for OJ Howard, only a couple. He also caught a touchdown last week. Um, I guess, and both are playing pretty iffy defenses in Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll go OJ Howard and ride the, again, ride the hot hand of Ryan Fitzpatrick while, while you've got him right now and because I think the matchups are similar. I would just go with the better quarterback, which right now is uh Howard, not Blake portals.
0: No, yeah, I love – I'm sorry, I, uh, Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzpatrick right now. Man, I'm, I'm loving everything he does, and so O.J. Howard, I'm pretty sure is loving him too. I know they're pissed that Jameis is coming back next week. Uh,
2: th- this is, to me, this is really an an easy one. Um, I think they both uh, have about as good of an opportunity catching a touchdown. Uh, the problem is if they, – and they're probably going to catch about as many balls. The problem is is his um, Jay is just not a yards guy, so if he doesn't catch you a touchdown, you're going to be really hurting where – I think O.J. Howard still has the uh, opportunity to get you at least 45, 60 yards if he doesn't get in the end zone. And you're going to feel a little bit better about that, so I'm going to go O.J.
1: Kirk Cousins against Buffalo or Patrick Mahomes? Patrick
0: Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes.
1: I Look,
2: I like, I
1: know, I know the love Buffalo Cousins. defense is, is horrific and Buffalo's bad and all that, but Mahomes is something special,
2: man. Uh, okay, so this is what I said in my podcast, and th- this is why I will go Mahomes. It, it is simple as... I think Buffalo has gotten to that point where they're so bad they cap your fantasy assets ceiling because it gets to the point where, okay, no, we're going to start running the ball. Or we're going to start getting other they wide receivers trusting. involved. We're going to get our backup running back involved. And they start spreading those points around. And so it's not a great opportunity for that respect. So I'll I'll go Mahomes.
1: Matt Ryan or Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'm going to go Garoppolo on this one. I, don't, I know Ryan had a good week last week. I'm still scared a little bit by his week one performance. He's not really in the best place this year it seems like and i'm i want to see it more consistently from him i'll go garoppolo uh
0: i'm gonna go matt ryan uh we saw this from him last year start the season off kind of slow and everything but they still made it all the way to the nfc or close to the nfc championship does that or did, did they make it all the way there last year atlanta uh no y- no. no they got no, no. They, they got they got close, they got
2: so. beat by by philly
0: okay so matt ryan uh Still, as bad of a year as he had, he's still able to carry his team to the playoffs and still possibly win. But uh, I, I like Matt Ryan. Uh, I, I don't like him, but in, in this case between he and Garoppolo, I like Matt Ryan.
2: I, I think Jimmy G is going to have to pass, and so I'll, I'll give Jimmy G the the heads up here.
0: Need
1: two PPR: Lamar Miller, James Connor, Geo Bernard. Um, mm. that's a tough one. A, a lot of people I've seen have been high on Geo because of the Joe Mixon injury. But, and it is PPR, and Geo does like to catch passes fairly frequently. Um, I'm definitely going with James Conner on this one. I think you've got you to gotta start him. He's gotten a touchdown in each game. I'm not sure he'll be quite as bad as last week in, in terms of all these players here that you have. But between Lamar Miller and Geo Bernard, um, I'm going to go Lamar Miller. So I'll go Miller, and I'm going to go uh, James Conner.
0: Uh, again, much like the Evan Ingram situation, I, I have to go Lamar Miller. Um, so I, I'm trusting him today. Uh, James Conner. It's been a long time since so pick I picked you up I don't think you're going to be disappointed
2: if you start any of these guys. I think they're all going to get really good volume and opportunity. I think they all have a pretty decent matchup. Um, I I guess I'll go Conner and Miller as well. Um, yeah, Connor and Miller. This
1: is a tough one. Non PPR league, Gio Bernard or Matt Breida. Breida, Breida. I just know Gio is going to get all the carries too. So PPR aspect of it, but Breida played great last week, hundred and some yards rushing without uh without the pass catching added in. I'll go Breida in this one as well. Um, Flex PPR, Philip Lindsay or Marquise Goodwin. Ooh. Our Bronco uh, running back starting to get some love, Jesse. I'm starting. Mm. I'm starting Philip Lindsay this week over Jamal Williams because he's been disappointing so far. Uh, I'll say uh, Philip Lindsay in this one. I like Marquise Goodwin.
2: Um, I I would s- normally say Marquise Goodwin, but I'm also leery of people coming back from hamstring injuries that have to do something that's explosive, like a wide receiver. At the same time, Philip Lindsay has been the basically the engine to that offense. I'll go Philip Lindsay.
1: Uh, Philip Lindsay or Christian McCaffrey? That's easy for me. It's McCaffrey.
0: Christian McCaffrey,
1: <laughs> run CMC. Always run CMC. He's he's like the only good thing on their offense right now. Yep. Half point PPR flex. Oh, we already did that one. Sorry. uh Andrew Luck or Philip Rivers? We know Jesse's answer is going to be Andrew Luck. Luck on this one. Andrew Luck. Look, I I see what you're saying. Rivers gets points. I'm going with Rivers. He gets points no matter who he plays. He's mm. always he's always throwing touchdowns. No,
2: I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that just because in, in years past, there's a reason he's hasn't been a top 10 quarterback, and that's because in games like this, he throws lots of interceptions. He just ends up reverting to interceptions. This screams to a 3-4 INT game for this guy. Kirk Cousins
1: is the only QB on my roster, but he's playing in a blowout. Do I stay the course or pick up Andy Dalton or Blake Bortle? Stay the course.
2: Definitely don't pick up Andy Dalton.
1: Or Blake
2: uh, No, stay the course with this one. I don't think it's that capped. I think he's going to have a good game.
1: Uh, PPR Latavius Murray or Latavius Murray or James White. I will say James White
0: on this one. James White, P1, Ben.
2: Uh, P- PPR. I, I know it's PPR, and yes, Murray's the better standard, but I'm going to go Murray at this point. It, it is Buffalo. Buffalo's uh, allowed like six touchdowns on the ground. Through like two weeks. They are bad.
1: Maybe this is the last one. We got to go after this. Maybe you can help me with this. I don't know. It might be a bad voice to text. I can't tell. No PPR. He said Corey, Greg, or Penny Yeldon. It is also the waivers. I don't know. I'm assuming Penny is Rashad Penny. Corey Clement. Is that Corey Clement? Or is that the Corey guy from Jacksonville? Corey Greg is Corey Grant. Is that maybe it? I think it's a messed up voice to text. That's Could what I'm be. thinking.
2: Who's Greg? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who Greg would be. So it, how are the other names? Or are they, It's they... Penny
1: Yeldon. So I'm assuming Rashad Penny, TJ Yeldon, and either Corey Grant or Corey Clement. Either way, I'm taking Corey Clement if you have him uh, for the most part because he's going to get a bulk of the carries today with Jay Ajayi not playing or still injured. If it's Corey Grant uh, and it's not PPR,
2: I'll take Yeldon. I don't trust Rashad Penny at all. Now, I want nothing to do with Penny, so that'll, and then uh, I guess Yeldon, uh, it'd be Corey Clement if that's who it is, Yeldon, um, otherwise it'd be Yeldon, uh, Corey Grant, and then Rashad Penny. I want nothing to do with Penny.
0: Yeah, me neither. Don't touch Rashad Penny. Outside of his name being Rashad, I wouldn't touch him either, but. uh,
1: Oh, that, he fixed it. It's Grant, it's Corey Grant, or Rashad Penny, or TJ Yeldon is on waivers, it looks like. Okay. And it's no PPR. Yeah,
2: Corey Grant's Corey. a PPR guy.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I might even go at Yeldon if you can get him real quick. I do Yeldon. It's only a minute away, so you got to do it yeah, now. I do Yeldon. I would do Yeldon. All right, that's gonna do it for us on Fantasy Scramble. Very much uh, thanks to all of you for texting in at the Better You Today text line at five five three zero five. I really appreciate it. And uh, every single week at this time, as long as we have a show, uh, we will do the Fantasy Scramble and help you out. Even if we don't have a show, feel free to tweet at us and we'll help you out there as well. Coming up next. A lot of NFL in hour number two As I flip over to Red Zone Right meow on the TV Red Zone that actually works, Rashad And uh, we will get to Baker Mania We will do our West Coast Bias And we have our Hated or Love It All coming up in hour two This is The Fan
0: Okay, picture this
1: It's Friday afternoon When a thought hits you I can waste another weekend Doing the same old whatever Or I can conquer it